every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Arizona, we're going beyond the back 40. We're going to a part of Arizona most people probably never even heard of today. It's the first Saturday of the month, so we're talking farm fresh commodities, and we always try and connect the listener to uh, farm and ranch products that are coming out of the field and into our grocery stores, farmers markets, CSAs, uh, whatever the case may be, and connect you to your local agriculture community. And we have spokeswoman Julie Murphy of the Arizona Farm Bureau in with us as always. Good morning, Romy. And what do you have lined up for us today? So we have someone from Duncan, Arizona, like you were referring way out there. Um, His name is Richard Clark. He manages the Gila River brand goat and lamb company he actually has his own herd too i believe richard you'll have to give us insight but before he comes on i got a little backstory i got to tell you that i think you'll appreciate so my team we're the outreach team for arizona farm bureau and once covid19 hit and the governor said shelter in place stay safe we all were sent home and my outreach team were on the road most of the time. So we pivoted to making three calls a day to our farm and ranch members just to check on them. And this was the typical phrase we'd get from them. Julie, we're good. We've been sheltering in place most of our farm life anyway, because we're, we're way out in the middle of nowhere and we've got a freezer full of meat. We're good. We're just making sure our community is fed, so a lot of times they'd be shipping things. And that's kind of what, when I connected with Richard Clark, and Richard, I believe you and I had visited before, but we just had this great conversation. He was telling me what they're doing out there in Greenlee County, and uh, Richard, we're so happy to have you, and I'm so glad that I've gotten to know you better because we've been making those calls. Well, you know, hopefully I'll, uh, I'll be fluent on the radio station so that we can uh, have a good conversation. Oh, yes, absolutely. So you have to tell us your story. Um, Launch by saying what got you into farming, and then tell us about the Gila River brand goat and lamb producers company. Okay, Julie. Well, you know, I took ag in high school, and, uh, you know, I was old my whole life on small scale, you know, raising, uh, you know, a few goats or uh, chickens and that kind of stuff. And about uh, 16 years ago, I got the uh, chance to to buy a farm, which I thought was only slightly less likely to happen than being chosen as an astronaut. (laughs) Well, you know, you tend to think of... uh, you know, the cost of land and equipment and livestock, it's very prohibitive to become a farmer if you're not born into a farm or ranch family. And uh, so when I got the chance, I, I took it. And uh, and living the dream that, uh, that my grandparents would have loved. Yeah. So, and one of the interesting things you told me on our conversation uh, several weeks ago, Richard, was mm-hmm. how, am I correct that you were an engineer before you got into farming? Well, uh, not really. I, I, uh, 
I was an IC mask designer, which means I I did the physical design of computer chips, essentially. There you so go. Really specialized form of drafting. But, but that, it, that's you know, a huge... You struggle constantly to keep up with changes in technology. Right. So that's a huge contrast and an interesting way for you to get in. And obviously, this farm that you must have invested, I'm assuming, is in Greenlee County, correct? It is in Duncan. And if you're real familiar with the area, it's in Franklin, which is a a, a little non-existent town anymore outside of Duncan. Uh, Greenlee County is the least populated county in Arizona, seven people per square mile. And it's still too crowded some days. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like a place I want to move. <laughs> <laughs> and it's beautiful out there. It I- is. It is. It's, uh, you know, because we have the Gila River that runs through the valley. And so if you look toward the river uh, and in the summertime when the fields are all planted, it's uh, I've had uh, people come out and visit and say it looks it's green like upstate New York. Wow. So tell us about the business. Well, uh, you know, we have a about a 700 acre farm, uh, about half of which is irrigated crop land and the other half is is you know just raw land that we can graze a couple times a year based on the monsoons uh we raise uh mostly sheep uh dorper san croix crosses which is a hair sheep meant just for meat and uh, some goats boar goats which are a good meat goat and um a few years back, probably about 10 years now, uh, the trouble with living in Greenlee County or in Duncan is you're centrally located and it's a long ways to everywhere. (laughs) You have to drive 40 miles to get to the first traffic light, the first bank, the first hospital, the first proper grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) And no matter which direction you drive in. Uh, So, it's difficult here to sell off the farm. You know, if you live close to Phoenix or Tucson, you can sell what you produce just by people coming out and, and getting it. So do you We're buy groceries in that. Safford, Wilcox, and, or Lordsburg? Yeah. Which direction and, do you go? <laughs> say again? Which direction do you go for groceries, Safford, Wilcox, or Lordsburg? Oh, Safford, because uh, Lordsburg and uh, Wilcox, don't have very much. Safford's the place you go. And so, um, you know, in the past, all of the small producers, people that raised goats and sheep here, uh, the only place they knew to sell their stuff was to go to Pacific Livestock in Phoenix, which was 200 miles each way. And uh, a lot, you know, an auction is always kind of a crapshoot. Uh, if you catch it on a good day, you make money, and if you catch it on a bad day, you may give your stuff away. And so periodically a guy would come by with a stock trailer from Tucson, and he'd visit all of the little producers, and he would offer us $55 a head for our goats or sheep. And, uh, you know, you'd kick the ground and curse under your breath and think, uh, yeah, but it's that or drive 400 miles for an unknown thing. So a while back, one of the local guys that raised goats managed to get a hold of a phone number of uh, a buyer for one of the specialty meat markets in Tucson. 
and um, and we called and talked to him, and we formed the Gila River Goat and Sheep Producers, which is a, a collection of small producers banded together to collectively market and transport uh, their goats and sheep. How many uh, in the group? How many? So it's kind of like a co-op, right? So, well, a little, except it's it's you know it's not officially a co-op. Okay. When we first started, I went down to the USDA and said, "Well, you know what? What do you do for co-ops, and and how are they?" And they just kind of looked at me and said, uh, "We don't know. We don't do anything with co-ops." So it, it's it's just a, it's a group of people working together to be successful. There's probably right now active about 10 members and uh to, uh, to you don't have to sell everything you produce through the association uh if you want to you can if you can sell off your farm that's fine um it's you know when i was first getting into this into looking to you know to start a farm i, I remember reading American farmers are really good at producing, but not always very good at selling. And so by working together, it, you know, you can't go to a meat market or someplace and say, if I raise goats, will you buy them from me? Right. Because uh, he, you've got nothing to sell him. And he'll say, sure, but it doesn't mean anything until you show up with a goat. Right. But then if you if you produce your goats and then go out and try to find somebody to buy them, you're stuck with a bunch of goats. <laughs> so what is the market since and most of it's directed to Tucson right now? You did on our original call a few weeks ago, you did mention you, you guys might expand into Phoenix. But the main market you have is Tucson. And what's the typical customer? You said specialty well, meats. So everything that we produce is purchased by two specialty meat markets in Tucson. Um, and what we do is when we have stuff to go to market, uh, I call the buyers for those markets and uh, arrange to meet them at the packing house in Wilcox. They approve the load, pay for them. We offload them. The packing house processes them and the next day delivers them to the meat markets in Tucson. And we only service two meat markets right now because they purchase all that we can produce. And if I doubled our productivity tomorrow, I could we we could sell them all still through just those two meat markets. So uh, our problem actually isn't finding buyers; it's producers. And the question um, I think we're asking is for the listening audience: If you are looking for this locally produced meat, what are the names of those markets in Tucson? Okay, one of them is Caravan Foods, and the other one is Noor Market, N-U-R Market. They're both, everything that we sell to them and that is processed by the packing houses is processed halal. So I guess it, it might be a, the majority of our stuff is consumed uh, by the Muslim population in Tucson. And the the... Goat meat or chevron is also pretty popular, too, with Hispanic markets also. And we'll talk more about that. We've got to uh, uh, take a quick break here. We're, it's the Farm Fresh Hour here at Rosie on the House. Sheep are essential to our way of life, whether it be their woolly hair to keep us warm 
are here to stay, and they will be for the entirety of the duration of Earth's existence. Yeah, he always finds the right song. First Saturday of the month, it's the Farm Fresh Hour here at our Outdoor Living Hour at 8 o'clock, and we've got Julie Murphy with the Farm Bureau. And before we get back to our farmer today, you always like to bring in one of your local farmers or ranchers to uh, hear straight from the horse's mouth, you could say? Yes. We've got Richard Clark in Greenland County. Before we get back to it, we want to talk about your community-supported ag. Yeah, so since we're talking about lamb and um, a good lamb cut there's nothing like it. So, but you always want to add a great variety of vegetables, local vegetables. And one of the things that we've really been trying to promote more at Arizona Farm Bureau is the fact that our direct market farms, we have such an array of them and several of them have, you know, pre-packed boxes to go, for example, and uh, also what is known as a CSA or Community Supported Ag. I currently am in one. I am going to mention all of the farms in it. Well, a good chunk. I may miss some, and I know my (laughs) farmers will get back to me if I don't mention, but... um, because I'm going to mention more, more than one, I don't want to show favoritism, but I'm currently um, buying a share in a community-supported ag from one of our local farms just because I have a dedicated week uh, where I per- pick it up at the Gilbert Farmers Markets and I can enjoy enjoy their array of vegetables. What's fun about getting a box or a bag of veggies is you know you'll get what's in season, typically, but you don't necessarily know what they're going to fill that box with. And it makes sense we're all, we have been sheltered at home, and even myself, we're becoming better cooks than we thought we could be. <laughs> so um, I like a CSA because of unexpected surprises in the box that I can then experiment with and cook. So just to name a few, most of the, well, all of these you can find on fillyourplate.org, Arizona Farm Bureau's consumer-facing website that features this, but just in as a example is McClendon Select. Now that particular direct market farmer, they typically serve the restaurants. We know what happened during COVID-19. The service industry uh, pretty much just shut down. So they pivoted immediately to these grab-and-go boxes, so to speak, and I believe they're still doing that. So that's an example of one. Blue Sky Organic Farms, probably one of the largest farm largest csa serviced farms um the last time i heard they said that they were putting together well over 500 boxes a week for families that had um, subscribed into their csa we've also got crooked sky farms the same similar situation where i think uh the last time i talked to farmer frank as he said our CSA, it had kind of waned a little bit or kind of dropped down. <laughs> well, it's uh, exponentially yeah. quasi-exploded, and I think he's increased his CSAs by about 75%. So just keep those in mind, McClendon Select, Blue Sky Organic Farms. You've got Cricket Sky Farms. Uh, another one in, in Tucson, since we've been talking about Tucson um, markets, is Merchants Gardens. And they never did CSAs before uh, this whole situation. And theirs isn't really structured as a CSA. They don't set up subscriptions. But you literally can drive by, 
pick up a box of leafy greens, a variety of leafy greens that they do because they're greenhouse, so they can do the leafy greens year round. It's been quite exciting and impressive to see some of the things that have gone on. And again, that's just a handful. There's more. If you went to fillyourplate.org, you would see in this when you do a search and you're searching geographically, you can discover in their subject description when you see the list of farmers, say for instance, in Pima County that would be able to do that for you. And obviously we have the farmers markets. Believe it or not, several are still open. Uh, some in the very beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic had to shut down. But once they put in place, because ag is considered essential, once they put that in place, some of the parameters uh, and protocols, so to speak, to keep us all safe, you know, six feet distancing, wearing masks, uh, they were able to reopen. So believe it or not, we still have a continuance of a lot of our great farmers markets. So that's still one of the easiest ways to make sure that you're buying directly from your farmers and ranchers. And the only other caveat I want to say to all this um, is that our grocery stores have an abundance of wonderful produce. It's one of the areas in the grocery stores that I haven't seen empty shelves. I've seen more of that in the meat case. And certainly they probably got some produce that has been out, but not to the degree we've seen in the meat cases. And we have a wonderful array. Even though I have that CSA box from one of my favorite farmers, I also am going to the grocery store because it might have one of those vegetables that's maybe not in season, but is still we still have access to. And so I still do both grocery store and farmer's market. And when you hear CSA and you think farming, you know, a lot of times our mind goes, you know, out of the city, into the country, you know, miles and miles away. Like farmer uh, Richard Clark was saying, it's it's a 200-mile one-way trip to bring his meat to market if he's if he's coming to Phoenix. Well, right. so much of Phoenix, Casa Grande, you know, and, and the oldest known agricultural in the country is the Santa Cruz River in Tucson. So much of these cities were built around old farms. Right. So like Crooked Sky Farms, you're a, a stone throw away from the sky rises of downtown Phoenix. Oh, it I seems know. like when you when you're there, it's a little farther than that. I mean, but but you hop right off the freeway. A, you're right off the freeway. Right. A lot of these are in in the city. It exactly. It just grew around. So yeah. you can find it, fillyourplate.org. Uh, find your local community-supported ag farmer's market. And we'll be back with uh, Julie Murphy of the Arizona Farm Bureau and Richard Clark. Joined online by Mr. Richard Clark, the Gila River goat and sheep producer. So, um, so Richard, I, I read something really interesting on your Facebook account, and this is basically you're giving a heads up or talking to your team of producers. Uh, the market's mm-hmm. asked to price lambs at $1.75 a pound rather than a flat $150 for 70 pounds. So get those lambs up to 90 pounds for more dollars. <laughs> I like that clarion call on behalf of your farmers. The, the theory is you, uh, you, know, you, had to, you had to feed that ewe that produced that lamb for five months. So if you're not short on feed, uh, you know, raise a 90-pound to, you know, to get your unit price up. 
Yeah, but I don't remember exactly where I left off, but before we started working together, we were getting an average of $55 a head. And sometimes you'd feed stuff a lot longer than you needed to, waiting for the opportunity to sell it. By working together as a group, and nobody knew what their stuff ought to sell for, how much or or what the market was looking for, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, size and, and breed and stuff. By working together, we've gotten that price from $55 a head up to, you know, 175 if you raise that, uh, you know, 100-pound lamb. And it doesn't take very long to raise them. And we sell... Now we're able to sell by the pound on the hoof on our scales uh, so that our buyers trust us to deliver them a quality product. Uh, and before our producers ever even breed their ewes or their does, they know what they're going to bring, you know, price-wise, and they know what they need to raise them to, which is between ideally between 60 and 100 pounds. Uh, because the the markets that we sell to are selling uh, whole and half carcass. They're not selling lamb chops. So they don't want them too big because then, then they get too expensive. Sure. So, and you mentioned but, the two of the specialty meat markets in Tucson is Caravan and Muir, M-U-R. Is that how? That's it. Yeah. Oh, it's N-U-R, not M-U-R. Oh, N-U-R. Okay, so, and we're just making sure we identify that for our listeners, because we actually have a lot of listeners that love lamb uh, right here in studio. We, Ro- we had mm-hmm. lamb just the other night. Yes. I mean, I love lamb. I I just infuse it with a little, uh, baste it on the barbecue with a little garlic butter and uh, top it with a little rosemary and some of my favorite Cajun seasoning, just to add that little bit of touch to it and Jennifer and I love lamb. Yeah, when I was growing up, the the uh, the most you know, if, if there was something really special going on, why well, it was roast leg of lamb, and uh, so yeah, special occasion. And so in our meat markets, as part of our marketing, I know one of the buyers asked us. You know, I said, well, you know, one of our customers asked about, you know, are your is the stuff. You know, do we use hormones and all that kind of stuff? And so we made up a, uh, a poster to go in the meat markets uh, that says uh, it's a, a, a basically a beautiful picture of a bunch of sheep on a nice green pasture with the hills behind it. And it's, uh, it says Gila River brand goat and lamb raised the old-fashioned way with green grass, clear water, fresh air, and golden sunshine. No hormones, no antibiotics, no steroids. And it's brought to you by the families of the Gila River goat and sheep producers. I like that. And looking at those two markets, both Caravan, it's on Country Club, north of Glen, mm-hmm. and then Newer is on Speedway between Country Club and Alvernon on the north side of the road. Both of those are both uh, meat market and restaurants. It's like a, a combination, yep. kind of like... Guido's okay. at Scottsdale and Shade, right. the, yeah. the Italian meat market and, and sandwich shop, great, great lunch. Um, but this, both of these are both a, a market and a restaurant. And, and I will confess, I've never had goat. How, how would you fix goat? Well, goat uh, actually is supposedly, well, first, it was, I believe it's like the first domesticated livestock. And so 
and uh, it is the most consumed red meat in the world. I'll be darned. Because I think, well, and it's it's lean. It's very lean, so it's uh, it's leaner than turkey. It, it, so it's if you're worried about fat and saturated fats, why goat's a great product. Um, but and uh, so how to produce? Uh, you know, because it's not filled with a lot of fat, you want to cook it kind of slow. And uh, to us, it's best. Um, you know, not more than a year old. Uh, as as they get older, they they develop more flavor, and for beef eaters, it, it just the flavor gets too intense. Um, if you're from the Caribbean islands and down in there, why then you like old goats because you like that extra flavor. Well, I'm gonna but have to when try you cook properly. It's absolutely delicious. I'll have to try. So obviously, you test taste your own product. It sounds like. Do you have any special recipes even on the lamb? We might need. If you do, Richard, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, live on air, because if you don't have one, but if you do have some recipes or even some of your other producers, we're gonna have to get those for you because I'm convinced I don't have as many lamb, and I certainly don't have very many chevron or goat recipes on fill your plate. Well, you know the the uh, the internet's full of recipes, so it's pretty easy to find, you know, something. Well, that was a good comeback. <laughs> <laughs> we were looking for your personal touch here. But you well, personally, I'm an eater, not a fixer. So, <laughs> you know, that's a question for my wife. I and I already heard her correct you was once a minute ago with the newer restaurant, the N, not the M. Do you need to hand the phone over to her to share? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she's here so that uh, she can uh, tell me to be quiet if I get carried away. Yeah, I, I frequently get on a talking uh, stream and uh, and you know may go tearing off into left field. Well, you know, for our Phoenix Metro listeners, uh, and I think I did mention it earlier that you. You and your partners, I think there's about 10 of them in the group, uh, have talked about there's the possibility of expanding to the Phoenix market. But uh, what would you have to do to that? To do that, was it, would it be well, not only bringing in more partners to the Gila River Goat and Lamb Company, or is it just scaling? I know in some instances, but sometimes it's a little bit harder to scale the size of the <laughs> herd that you manage currently just because of constraints with pasture and stuff like that. Well, uh, you know, the, our expense, when we first started, this was the idea of, you know, we started with two meat markets because you don't want just one customer. If, uh, if things don't go well or they go out of business, all of a sudden you don't have a place to sell your product. So we've always kept, you know, the, the minimum of two meat markets, and we've kept them happy enough to where they've always bought everything we can produce. So our main major effort isn't in trying to find new outlets to uh, to purchase our product. Um, our main efforts have always been to um, to recruit more producers to join the group, and the idea being. You know, first we'll sell, you know, we'll provide uh, goat and lamb to Tucson because it's the closest to our, uh, to Wilcox Packing, which processes all of our meat. And that's... And then when, and then when we've conquered that market, 
Well, then we then you expand into Phoenix, and when you conquered that, and then if you're if you're out producing that market, then we then we the next step is California. So our problem isn't where to sell our product. Our problem is just production, which is a great place to be, um, you know, as a as a farmer. It really is. And but now I have to ask that question because we've been moving through this COVID nineteen pandemic. Did uh, the specialty meat markets caravan in Noor and Tucson? Did they cut back? Did they? Is there has this impacted your producer group at all? No, no, because we don't produce all that they would like. They're they're forced, I think, to buy uh, you know frozen lamb and stuff from Australia and New Zealand. Uh, they're very happy to. Uh, to take all we can produce even during COVID-19. Now, the 10 producers, are most of them in Greenlee or are they scattered in different areas? Well, they're, they're scattered, but in, they're, they all suffer from the same thing. They're a long ways from nowhere or a long <laughs> ways from everywhere. So they don't have, they're not selling off the farm. This is an organization that's good for people who who are too far away from you know, from big cities to be able to sell their stuff on the farm. And speaking of recipes, uh, listeners test me if I've got this information wrong, but on Fill Your Plate, there I do believe we have a leg of lamb recipe from Carmen Azar. Their family were sheep ranchers and still are here in the state of Arizona. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Mr. Richard Clark, we thank you for your taking time out of your Saturday morning to... Uh, Join us here at the Farm Fresh Hour and appreciate uh, sharing the information, help getting everyone educated a little bit on your your niche of the agricultural industry. You you bet. We're uh, glad to have the opportunity. And if everybody anybody wants to start something like this where they are, feel free to give us a holler. Um, you know, we're, we're glad to help other people try to be successful as well. And you know what? I'm actually going to get you in touch with a woman. Um, I, her name's escaping me, but she started Five Star Pest Control before selling it out of Tucson. Do you remember her name? I, I know I put you on the spot. It's going to hit me as soon as we go to break. Shelby. Shelby sold the company. And I said, so what are you doing? She's like, I'm looking to buy a goat farm somewhere in the mountains. Oh, my God. Well, I'm going to have to connect. Yeah, we'll with, connect them. With Richard. <laughs> I am a geographical oddity Two weeks from everywhere Two weeks from everywhere I am a geographical oddity Two weeks from everywhere Two weeks from everywhere That's what it felt. Is this Richard Clark personally singing this? <laughs> Yeah, it's a group called Jamestown, but yeah, I guess it would be Richard in this particular case. You know, if you're new to Arizona, it, the sheep and goat industry used to be a lot bigger. You know, a hundred years ago, uh, it was it was the primary crop or livestock that was used. Uh, very prominent on the Navajo reservation for the sheep, the wool, their blankets. A lot of history there around Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. Um, sheep's crossing on the Verde River. You know, that's, I, I don't know that there's anybody still herding over there, but the bridge is still there and you can walk across it. Yes. That's a popular hiking spot. 
the the Dobson family and the Aza family made that real popular. And the one family that's pretty continues to be strong in the sheep business is the Aza family, and they're all members of Arizona Farm Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they love us and we love them. But I was kind of excited, Jennifer. You did the sourcing and the searching, and you said you found three recipes on Fill Your Plate that. Yeah, yeah, whenever you guys start talking about food, I can easily get distracted. So I looked on um, Fill Your Plate under Main Dishes, and there's three on there. Lamb chops with dates, lamb shanks and curried rice, and lamb shish kebab. So I know what we're having for dinner this weekend. Okay, I'm all for it. I'll throw one out there real quick. Um, Cubed potatoes, uh, your leg of lamb with the fat looking up, rosemary, garlic, Use some vegetable stock in a slow cooker, four hours on high, six hours on slow. And it gets better as the week goes on. It's so good. All right. Good. I so, like it. So, Gary, you must be a cook. I have yeah, to. he's a cook. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No I, one cooks for me. I have to learn. <laughs> but, you, no, I enjoy it. It's actually, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Rosie and I grew up in South Louisiana. Cooking was, that was part of the family. Man. That's right. It's in the DNA. In the DNA. Well, what's been so fun is just highlighting Richard Clark, Arizona Farm Bureau member, and how unique our ag members are. And I, as I said earlier, we've been pivoting to checking on all of them. And, you know, they're a resilient group of people, our farmers and ranchers. So I f- kind of feel like, oh, okay, you don't really need us. for, <laughs> But uh, we had a lot of information, by the way, Arizona Farm Bureau, about what was going on with the Small Business Administration's Payroll Protection Program, uh, the emergency loan. So we did have a lot of reasons to call our members and just make sure they knew that the USDA, USDA's program, because of the COVID-19, CFAF, I think they call it, um, in ag, just like in other industries, it's so many acronyms. But those are the ways that we take care of our farmers and ranchers here in Arizona. We're committed to that because we know it's important for our Arizona families to have a solid ag base in the state because it contributes to our economic vitality. And you could really hear at the very beginning just the pride that he takes in it when he was talking about, you know, the lifestyle that his grandparents and you know, yeah, yeah. he got he got choked he up got there. He got kind of choked up. I he noticed very, that. Very proud of what he does. Um, yeah. Generally speaking, we have the current president Stephanie Smallhouse join us for the final few minutes, but she's entertaining guests at the ranch this weekend. You want to you want to take the final few uh, minutes for a recap and takeaway? So the thing we want to stress, and something that we kind of are talking about at Arizona Farm Bureau, is, is families when you go out camping, and we're doing a lot of that because we've been kind of holed up and. We're ready to get out and about. Be very, very careful because it's fire season and a lot of those fires, while uh, during monsoon season or what my dad likes to call summer rains, um, uh, an electrical light event from nature can certainly start the fire more than a man-made fire. But a lot of man-made fires and some of those fires are happening on leased land that our ranchers are uh, running their cattle. So let's try to be uber, uber, super, super careful when we're out and about. And that's one of the messages that Arizona Farm Bureau keeps striving to put out on behalf of our ranchers this year, because it's going to be, it's going to be, I hope not, but it may be a crazy fire season because there's so much 
KTAR's fire reporter Jim Cross said we're already outpaced over last year yes. on our on our wildlife or wildfire burn by acreage. So, Correct. Um, and what the, what happens I, there? I, I believe there's a fire ban already went into effect. Yes, you, know, you can only have a gas propane cooking while you're out camping. No, no open fire. Correct. And another neat thing during fire season, the ranchers oftentimes will work very closely with the forest service to get in there and figure out where to go because they know their leased land so well. Jennifer and I spent four days on a ranch in Southern Arizona last week. The first night we were there, a little storm blew in, started two lightning fires on the ranch, right on the boundary of the ranch. And I mean, Romy, it wasn't 20 minutes before trucks were rolling. It was the entire Elgin Volunteer <laughs> Fire Department. And they had the fires out in no time. And I mean, they're they're watching for it constantly. Yeah. They got to. They have to. Thanks, everybody. Fillyourplate.org and AZFB to sign up for your Farm Bureau membership. Support Thank you. Support community ag.